0: Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine.
1: I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Today on the show, we're discussing fibroids with Dr. Linnea Goodman. Dr. Goodman is an OBGYN who is subspecialty certified in reproductive endocrinology and infertility. She specializes in fertility, reproductive surgery, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and fertility preservation. She is passionate about providing individualized, patient-centered care. Dr. Goodman, welcome to ASRM Today.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: How did you get started in this? What got you interested?
0: Yeah. So when I um, started out my career, I my degree was in biomedical engineering. And so I had an interest in um, kind of the way the body worked and new technology and kind of figuring out the inner mechanics of things. Um, and so I actually went into medicine thinking I was going to do orthopedic surgery um, because I had so much um, experience in kind of the mechanics of, of artificial joints and ligaments. And that's what my research was in college. Um, so I entered medical school and I found that I loved every single piece of the rotations. So I would do peds and I wanted to be a pediatrician. I would do neurology and I want to be a neurologist. And so as I went through these, there were kind of some major um, milestones that I really connected with and, and that was procedure based things. So I loved surgery and then I loved being able to see the start of a problem and then the end of a problem and fix it. And so I realized that taking care of diabetes was not for me because that was a longstanding issue that I'd never be able to start and finish. So I originally thought that I would be a GYN oncologist. I had some amazing mentors. And so when entered residency thinking I was going to do oncology and focus primarily on surgery and then quickly realized in residency that um, I aired more towards the um, happy side of medicine, the you know cancer patients was really difficult for me and the dying at the end. And, and if you did your job really great, you never saw the person again. And that was not super satisfying to me either. And so um, I was looking for a place that I could do a lot of surgery, but still have, um, you know, kind of the more, um, you know, the happier sides of medicine and certainly infertility is not always happy, but, but definitely we do have a beginning and an end most of the time that is happy. Um, but I knew that I loved surgery and that wasn't something I wanted to give up. And so, um, I focused, um, that as an area of interest and went to Cleveland Clinic for fellowship, um, that, um, is really strong in reproductive surgery and um, did a ton there and and um really you know had my skills honed there under some amazing mentors um and so then i've kind of come out and, and used that as um, a sounding board and a jumping board for lots of different things um and so i kind of specialized in bringing people back to their normal anatomy i don't want to alter, their body to something that's not, but I'd like to bring it back to a place where, you know, Mother Nature can do her best work and get pregnant as naturally as possible. Um and so that's kind of where surgery became a focus for me.
1: And that's so wonderful too. Cause I it sounds like you just you wanted to have sustained connection with patients, you know, to really develop that almost like someone who goes to a, to a GP, you know, once a year and it's just like, oh, hey, it's, you you know, and you just, you sort of develop that. And uh, I'm sure that there are other people in the field who, who, who completely understand and empathize with, with what you're saying and how you're feeling. It's interesting you make that, it's that statement at the end about bringing the body back right to the best state it can be to reproduce, to, to have children, the focus of our of our talk today is fibroids, and I had no personal uh, knowledge or connection with it uh, until my wife, you know, and she went through that. And then I have sisters, and they, you know, they went through that. What uh, what 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 kind of populations you know are, are most likely to have have fibroids?
0: Yeah, fibroids are super common. It's not something that we think about until it affects your life. Um, but, you know, 50% of women by the age of 50 have some experience with fibroids and many of them don't ever know it, or they're found incidentally, you know, they're found at a time of C-section or they're found, they're having a CT scan for some other reason for an appendicitis and they see a fibroid, or we're doing an ultrasound um, for a kidney stone and they see a fibroid. So many of them are asymptomatic and don't cause any problems. Um, we see a fair amount of them in the fertility world because we're looking for them. And so I think that's when um, we kind of pick up on them more acutely. There's a whole, a whole subset of women that are asymptomatic and doesn't matter. There's a subset of women that are symptomatic, um, either with heavy bleeding or pain or pressure. Um, and then there is the infertile population that comes in um, and there's a high prevalence of fibroids in the infertile population. And that's, that's kind of the population that we're focused on.
1: So but the, would you say on average it's, it's it's most women are targeted in 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 you know that 45-55 range or is it 50 It's necessarily just 50 and above is is average
0: Actually um most postmenopausal women the fibroids will shrink and so fibroids are generally not a huge issue postmenopausal and so I would say the majority time that they are symptomatic and difficult would be somewhere between 30 and 50
1: What's some of the current thinking on on whether removal of fibroids is necessary uh, during infertility care? like like is it is it a certain uh, type of fibroids or you know, methods of removal?
0: Yeah, this is one of the most controversial topics in our field, um mainly because taking out fibroids is not a uh, small deal. So there are you know three major types of fibroids, um and actually, In the categorization, there are now um, a number of them starting from stage um, type 0 all the way up to type 8. But the kind of major category that I think of are ones that are in the uterus, which are submucosal, whether they're in the wall of the uterus, and that would be um, intramural, or whether they're on the outside of the uterus, and that's subserosal. So in general, um, we know that fibroids in the uterus are detrimental to fertility and miscarriage and reproductive outcomes. Fibroids outside the uterus that are subserosal are not generally have an impact on fertility. And then the ones in the wall of the uterus are the ones that are the most difficult to treat and the most controversial. So in terms of removal, if they're the majority of them inside of the uterus, so, you know, a type zero fibroid would be completely inside the uterus. Those ones are able to be removed hysteroscopically. Um, and that's a simpler procedure. It's outpatient, um, you know, low risk. And and has a large impact on um, success rates. Um, once you get intramural, so this is when the fibroids are within the wall of the uterus. Now, this is when this becomes a little bit more nuanced. So at this point, we're going to be looking at the size of the fibroid and the location of the fibroid and the extent at which it would take to remove this fibroid. So, you know, a general rule of thumb, five centimeters is a term that's thrown around a lot as kind of your your threshold to remove it. Um, There's many a reproductive endocrinologist that would say that if you are asymptomatic and there's no impact on the cavity, then they would keep it in place, um, you know, upwards of seven, eight centimeters. The reason being that taking out a five or six centimeter fibroid that's in the wall is a surgery that's going to require, um, you know, abdominal incisions. So either doing it laparoscopically, robotically, or open, and can create scar tissue and then potentially set up this woman for um, a C-section in the future. And so it's not a small deal to take out this fibroid. We also don't have great data that it helps um, when you take this out. However, the downside of keeping this in is that a lot of women present with miscarriage. And so if you have an eight or nine week miscarriage and you have a five centimeter fibroid, the, what you don't want to do is have this happen again and feel like the fibroid was contributing to this.
1: Is it, when, when you said it, depending upon the, 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 the size or the, the, uh, uh the, the removal of the fibroid, are, are there, are there, is there a division between say like a, a regular, a, a non-specialist doctor can do it? Or like, is that the degrees you're talking
0: about? Yeah, that's, it's a great point And one that I think is um, overlooked a lot of times. So the thing about fibroid surgery is that the more you do, the better you are at them. And the more often that you do them, the more your skills stay honed. And so um, I find it with my own skills that when, um, you know, fresh out of training and in my first job where I was operating all the time, you know, I, I am much more Um, aggressive in the size of fibroids I take out, um, as well as you can do it faster with lower blood loss um, and you could potentially do, um, you know, a more skilled surgery um, and, you know, do it minimally invasive opposed to, um, you know, an open surgery. And so um, are all OBGYNs trained to do myomectomies? Yes, um, for the most part. Um, do I think patients are better off in the hands of people who are high volume surgeons? I do. Um, this has been proven in terms of cancer surgeries. It's been proven in terms of, you know, these complicated endometriosis surgeries that the more you do, the better you are. Um, and there are certainly people that have, um, you know, specialized in this very small niche of, um, you know, fertility patients who need fibroid surgery.
1: Well, I, I appreciate your time today and your, and your absolute expertise. And I have just one more question for you today. Is there anything that, that you're you're seeing or that you're yourself you're researching or maybe you're working with with others that, that has you excited about you know uh, things coming uh, uh in the field to to help in
0: this these areas? Yeah, so you know, find words have been around forever. We've known about them, you know, for centuries at this point. Um and we are finding more and more minimally invasive ways to combat these. So there's no um, you know, ultrasound guided radiation or um And then there's um, the excessive procedure. There's all sorts of procedures that are aimed at dealing with the inner workings of the fibroids and combating them from the inside versus um, when you do surgery, you're basically just, you know, ripping out that tissue and then allowing that tissue to heal and fill that void. The things that are exciting are thinking about how the tissue forms and how we can combat that tissue um, from the inside out. And so you know, providing some sort of sound waves, providing some sort of um, you know intrafibroid injection that would combat the tissue and, and cause it to necrose. Um, so I think there's a whole lot of things, especially now that it's becoming more and more prevalent in um, fertility care, um, that you want to keep it minimally invasive and, and not do these giant surgeries. I think that we're going to find more and more ways to combat this without major surgery.
1: Well, that is good news. <laughs> as as always, uh, uh, my guest today uh, has been Dr. Linnea Goodman. We've been talking about uh, uh, fibroids. I th- I thank you so much uh, uh, for being able to, to come on the show and I'd love to have you on again sometime.
0: Oh, it's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much.
1: You can subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, and good Lord knows there's like 30 of these things now that, that you can subscribe to. So you, if you type in our name, you can find us or you can go from our show page and we're happy to uh, uh, to guide you there. If you have questions about this show, you can uh, email me, uh, asrm at asrm.org. I'm Jeffrey Hayes and this is ASRM Today.
0: This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council.
1: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician.